Hey everybody, it's Brian coming to you at the beginning of the episode to tell you that one, yes, I am in fact losing my voice. Two, I wanted to preface this episode by saying that the sound quality is not great. This was recorded over the phone for a feature that you can find over on TechCrunch.com right now. I will also link to it in the show notes. And third, it's Matt Groening, the guy invented the friggin' Simpsons and Futurama and Life in Hell, so enjoy. That's my favorite kind of comics gathering. I, I like the small press and the independent cartoonists. And there are fewer and fewer of them at Comic-Con in San Diego. But I make my, my little stops and, and load up, and I've got a stack of comics to read so, for the rest of the year. I, I wish I could go unrecognized because I want to – I am such a fan that I that – there's a lot of stuff that I like to look at. This is a pretty popular move now with celebrities is walking around in some sort of costume. I think Mark, Mark Hamill has done it the last couple of years is dressed as different characters so he can kind of go undercover at the show. Worth, worth, worth investigating. I tried walking around with a Homer mask, but the latex, it just it's hard to breathe. and My head gets so sweaty. So and my glasses fog up and so it's not worth it for me. But what a way to go. Suffocating on a Homer Simpson mask. Because you know... If that happened, you know, they felt, I'd go down in cartoon history and be the uh, butt of so many jokes. There were, years ago, there was an airline that did a promotion and they painted the Simpsons on the side of the, the jet and, and we all drove out to uh, give it a send off. And then the entire crew got on the jet in Burbank and flew around in a circle and came down. And one other writer and I refused to get on the plane because we didn't want the jokes that would invariably happen if the plane crashed. Like, that's not how we wanted to be remembered. So, there you go. What is it that drives you and gets you excited to throw yourself into a project? It's always fun to challenge yourself creatively. And I have the opportunity, because I've taken the first several with my career, to make the stuff that uh, I think up in collaboration with the people I work with actually come to fruition. So, that's really, that's, it's a blast. There's something specifically exciting about animation for me in that here are these characters who do not exist but you know you design and you try to make them well-rounded and and then you surround yourself with the best writers you can find and the greatest voices and the the best animators and the best musicians and suddenly this thing that was just a drawing on a piece of paper is alive and walking around and doing and saying things that you didn't expect and it's it's a complete blast. There's something very dreamlike about animation just to watch it as a casual viewer. But if you're involved with the making of it, it's still as amazing, if not more amazing. Was there something specific in the possibility of working with a, an online platform like a Netflix or, or an Amazon or a Hulu that appealed to you specifically? Netflix has a great reputation. I, I talked to a few other people that uh, were working on, on uh, Netflix projects nobody had a bad thing to say they they were just they were all happy and they were all excited about the idea of telling uh, stories that did not have to end you know at the at the end of an episode that you could that because people binge you can tell these long long arcs and that was very appealing you know i've been doing this for over 30 years so a new way of storytelling is is very gratifying is that something that you had been exploring before looking at your comic strip work these are largely self-contained and because of the 30-minute television format that's just the way sitcoms kind of work out i had read some stories recently and i think it might have been from mike reese's book where he 
He mentions the fact that early on into The Simpsons, there was talk about Marge being a rabbit and Homer being crusty. So it sounds like you were interested pretty early on in this idea of, at the very least, having some kind of long-term payoff in the show. Oh, yeah. The, the whole nature of fantasy, in particular, is that things are not what they seem to be. With Josh Weinstein and I, when we sat down to develop this show, we threw in a lot of secrets and, and clues and puzzles for the kind of obsessive fan that I've come to know specifically from Futurama and, and of course, also The Simpsons, and try to reward those people for paying attention. I mean, that's where the original idea for the uh, freeze frame jokes on The Simpsons came from. It's like, if you didn't see it, it doesn't matter, but if you're the kind of person who, you know, could freeze the frame and actually read a joke, you'll get something extra out of it. And we've done that with Disenchantment. We know where we're going with this. I, we think it works as a, a sleepy time fun epic fantasy you can watch uh, as you drift off uh, at night or if you are the kind of person that obsesses then uh, there's stuff there for you too i will say i've said this before but the very first thing you see uh, is a giant clue that's there it's staring you in the face that reveals something about what you're watching that's all i i know that's vague but um all will become clear in due time does the fact that you're writing to something like netflix change the content at all? I mean, do, do you actually write for the format? Oh, yeah. You take, you take advantage of whatever the boundaries are uh, and, and, um, and try to push them. You know, uh, there's one thing when it's a, it's a uh, 22-minute network sitcom that has commercial breaks every seven minutes that makes you write in a certain, certain way. And, and then if you're on Netflix and you have 10 episodes in which to tell your story, it changes everything. You can tell longer, bigger arcs, and you don't have to reset at the end of every episode. You can have cliffhangers. There's a literal cliffhanger at the beginning, at the end of episode one. It's just a fun way to uh, to tell stories. Is the idea of doing something in the fantasy genre, is, is that something that you've been exploring for some time now? Yeah, I've been thinking about fantasy for a long time. I've been inspired by fantasy. Some of my favorite forms of entertainment are fantasy, starting with fractured fairy tales on the old Rocky and Bullwinkle show to Monty Python and the Holy Grail, the original Wizard of Oz film, and then comic novels by Terry Pratchett, Jack Vance, uh, Gene Wolfe, uh, has written some amazing fantasy. Try to try to incorporate all that, not so much as influences, but as inspirations, and then and then try not to do straight parody. The problem with genre in comedy is that just kidding the genre uh, is uh, is very easy and, and only goes a, a little ways. So what we try to do is get people on board with the fantasy characters and make them as emotionally real as we can. Ultimately, how much involvement do you have on a project like this? I have to assume something like The Simpsons that's been going on for, you know, 30 plus years has kind of taken on a, a life of its own. And, you know, you've, you've hired all these writers and showrunners. Are, are you the kind of person who, who ends up sort of, you know, micromanaging it at least early on? Is, is it important that you continue to at least have one foot in the project at all times? One of the uh, fun things about, about animation uh, is that it is truly collaborative. And there's no one person who, who does everything. It's a combination of good writing and uh, good acting and good animating and good music. And for, for this show, Josh Weinstein uh, is the showrunner. He and I have worked together on The Simpsons. He was a showrunner on The Simpsons, and 
who's one of the writers on Futurama. And he and I spent a lot of time developing Disenchantment and laying out uh, the characters and where we wanted to go. And then we have a writing staff made up of a combination of old guys from Futurama and The Simpsons and uh, and some younger writers who who definitely have a, a different point of view in that they don't they just don't understand the appeal of 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 old uh, character actors from the 1930s and 40s. Uh, <laughs> whenever the veteran writers start talking about the Three Stooges, and yeah. I'm not talking just about uh, uh, Curly. I'm talking about Shemp and <laughs> Curly, uh, Curly Joe, and Joe Bester, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and and no, we draw the line at Curly Joe. Okay. But <laughs> but the women on the staff, I, they have a tendency to. Um, stretch and then get up and wander out of the room. So <laughs> it, 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 but it's really, it's really fun. So anyway, I stopped at the writers. So we got the amazing writers. And then we have the animation team from Rough Draft Studios who did great work on Futurama. And I, you know, we challenged them to be even more ambitious and, uh, and they went for it. Uh, and then last but not least, Mark Mothersbaugh of Devo fame did our, did the music and he, he just knocked us out with this kind of Balkan ska klezmer <laughs> thing that you've never heard in fantasy before. Is it safe to say then that working with a platform like Netflix has given you a kind of freedom that you haven't necessarily had on network? Yeah. Well, it's, 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 yes, I would say trying to figure out if I don't want to dance around the question. It's not so much freedom because Fox has been very indulgent in general over the years, but with Netflix, there are even fewer rules. There's an anxiety in network television that that I assume goes to all networks, but I have not experienced that at Netflix at all. They they seem to be pretty happy people. That's probably the most unusual thing I'll say in this interview. The look of the shows is very different, but it's easy to pick out a a Matt Groening drawing. And certainly, you know, I mean, the, the most obvious one is Elfo definitely has a very Bart Simpson-esque vibe to him. Stylistically for you, is it important that it sort of has that visual stamp yes i i developed that style of the large the large bulgy eyes and uh the uh the ridiculous overbite when i was like 12 years old Mm. and actually elfo is based on the very first character in that style that i drew um named it was named melvin and uh i used to draw a lot of comics with that guy and just basically gave him a gave him a an elf hat and pointy ears. So Bart with Bart and Elfo came from Melvin, not not Elfo didn't come from Bart. Mm. So just very important clar- <laughs> clarification. <laughs> yeah, so I like why not? Why not? First of all, what was what always amazed me was that this extremely simple style could be very expressive. That with with um, just a few curving lines and just changing the shape of them slightly. You could come up with every kind of expression mm. that you wanted. And the other thing that was amazing, I can't do it, but I worked with animators and designers who can actually take that style and make characters attractive. Like within, the, within, the, within whatever, that, whatever you call that style, there are some people who are, are homely and other people who are quite beautiful. And it's like, it's still, when you think about it, it's still pretty freakish do you still find time and do you still make a point to to draw every day 
Yes, I draw every day. Right now, I'm learning how to draw disenchantment characters consistently. You know, I, I can draw Simpsons and Futurama characters with my eyes closed, but um, disenchantment, I'm not quite, it's not quite in my bones yet. Um, so I'm drawing them over and over again. And then, uh, yeah, I, I uh, you know, I drew Life in Hell for 32 years. So uh, I don't miss the weekly deadline. That is actually a relief because for 32 years, every Friday I would go, oh, no, I've got a strip due today. <laughs> and, you know, it, it, it was a surprise for 32 years. Uh, so that's a relief. But, yeah, so I, I, I still like to draw and, and uh, illustrate uh, uh, what people say, uh, what I over, things I overhear and things my, uh, my kids say to me. There you go. That was Matt Groening. Thanks so much to him for taking the time to do that. Thanks to TechCrunch for allowing me to post this as a bonus episode of the show. And thanks to Netflix for setting that one up. You can check out Disenchanted over on Netflix starting August 16th. Thanks to you guys, as always, for listening to the show. If you like the show, there are a number of ways to support us. I'm not going to talk about them right now because I am losing my voice. So stick around because we'll be back in uh, in just a few days with another episode of RIYL. 